Hi everyone, welcome to the Good Podcast. My name is Rob Watson and in today's episode I'm speaking with spiritual teacher Louise Kay. For those who are regular to my podcast will know that Louise has been on there numerous times and this will be the fourth time. I'll put links to all the other ones. I find it's a really great opportunity for myself and the, the listeners to kind of get a tune in and take a bit of the pulse of what's going on at the moment um, and we were just joking then because I said um, we you know I say we'll have to do it every year and I was like you know saying when we'll be doing this in you know 50 years time and we'll be episode 50 odd or 56 or something like that so I very much hope that I'm still here on earth and um, and connected with Louise in that way I mean that I'm kind of on the right path but firstly Louise thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thanks for inviting me back on your podcast, Rob. I'm always very happy to chat with you and I hope that we're still doing this when we're 100. Absolutely. That would be fun. That would be definitely fun. So I remember last time we spoke, I think it may be around last March, April time. And I remember saying something like, oh, well, it feels like, you know, we're, we're at the end of COVID now and um, it's kind of, you know, get your reflection on it. But obviously it's kind of, it's rambled on a little bit, but I'd like to just get maybe your kind of, if you can just reflect a little bit on uh, on the time that we've kind of been in the past couple of years. I think it felt at the beginning for a lot of people, it felt like a sacred pause in many ways, those first few months. And I felt like a really unity kind of doesn't necessarily feel like that now so much but I'd love to just get your perspective on it for me you know from mm. yeah that'd be good mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely been an interesting time and a challenging time for many people on many levels people have been challenged financially they've been challenged m- mentally like just having to be cooped up um um, people have been challenged on the level of health. So where generally our, our life brings challenges in, in a more gentle way, it seems like a lot of challenges came all at once for a lot of people. And that really shook up a lot of people. And on the surface, it can seem like it's a bad thing, but... When we approach it from a spiritual perspective, it can actually be a blessing in disguise because it's the challenges in life, that resistance, that push from life, that gives us an opportunity for growth and also an opportunity for us to see where there's a part of us that's still immature, that's still identified with um, what I refer to as the conceptual self. And for people that don't, haven't heard this term before, what, what the conceptual self is, is the idea that we have about ourselves, the story that we tell about ourselves, about me and my life. And it consists of a, a narrative. And when there's identification with that, there's also identification with thoughts. So in the, on the spiritual path, we explore what lies beyond that and we go beyond the level of thoughts and beyond that mental narrative and concepts to discover a stillness that's here when we become present. So when we're in the present moment and all our attention is here now, we actually step out of the realm of suffering, which is 
mostly created by our own thoughts in our mind. And we discovered that, oh, actually, in this moment right now, everything is perfect. Everything's okay. It's just my body's breathing. And we become more here. We become more intimate with life. And this intimacy with life is what brings us a sense of fulfillment and connection and joy. So for those people that are on the spiritual path, they've had a wonderful opportunity to use the challenges that have been presented in a way where they're able to grow and to not be shaken, not be moved, not be disturbed by external circumstances. And that's where we truly discover peace, when our inner state of being remains unaffected, regardless of what is happening externally. Now, if our peace and happiness is dependent on external circumstances and attachment to things, then we're constantly pulled in all directions. And sometimes we feel happy and we feel like life's going great, everything's smooth sailing, but then the tide turns inevitably because that's the nature and level of form. It's dualistic. So what goes up must come down. It's ups and downs, it's positives and negatives. So inevitably, things turn around at some point the challenges come and there's a feeling like my life's falling apart everything's going wrong and if we're living life on this surface reality of these ups and downs it's very tumultuous but when when we discover this deeper beingness and we live in this presence then there's an anchor in a sense of peacefulness where we're not disturbed and we recognize, okay, a challenge is here. I'll stay present. And with that capacity comes the ability to respond to the challenge in the wisest way possible rather than reacting to the challenge, which comes from a, a form of unconsciousness. So what we've seen during the COVID times, as far as I'm aware, is a lot of reactiveness. There's been two camps, one pro-vaccine and anti-vaccine, pro-masks, anti-masks. And this is like an external reflection of the dualistic nature of the human mind and life often re reflects externally to us distortions or unconsciousness that's acting out inside of us individually or collectively because life is giving us an opportunity to bring more consciousness to these aspects of our humanness in order to evolve. So if we look at what happens in that divisiveness, then we can see that the mind identifies with a position and it takes the stance that this is the right position and the opposite position is the wrong position. And then it only wants to hear 
um, perspectives that agree with my position and our sense of self comes from that identification. The conceptual me is built around my beliefs and what I think is right. So whenever that's challenged, it creates an upset in the system. There's aggression or frustration or sadness. And the person that has taken the opposite stance appears to be the cause of the emotional turmoil within. And so often there's a reactiveness to try to make them understand why they're wrong and they have to see my point of view. That conceptual self feels like it's threatened, like if I lose this position, then a part of me is going to die and it wants to hold on to it. So it's not wise to identify with any position. We can have a perspective and, and express our perspective. This is what feels true for me. But to remain open with it and I'm very open to hearing other perspectives and if I change my mind that will be a wonderful thing then we're truly open and when there's not that openness we we tend to attract to ourselves aggression because we're fighting against something we're fighting against an opposite, a polar opposite, which is dualistic. And we perceive through a, a filter or a lens of dualism, where there's me, this conceptual self, and then there's the other or the others. And they're seen as perceived as the enemy because they threaten my conceptual self. So to understand, to know this deeper beingness, we go beyond that dualistic level of me and the other and sink into the present moment. Let our attention withdraw from perspectives, ideas about concepts and thoughts and recognize Beyond all that, I'm awareness. And as we open to being awareness, then, and, and deepen into that, there's a recognition, wow, this awareness that's my essence is the same awareness that's alive in all the seeming others. So they're actually me in other forms. We're one and the same. From this perspective of oneness, from this knowing of the true self, there's no movement to argue, to fight, to, to be in, in violence against somebody. There's a natural recognition of oneself and, and a love begins to flow. Yeah, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that. 
Um, would you say in terms of someone on their own kind of um, on their awakening journey um, that there's definitely different layers to it, but different phases to it? Like from my own perspective, I shared recently that I felt like I had my first awakening in 2011, 2012, and then on a really accelerated path. And then I had an even much deeper one last year. So it's kind of looking like it was about a 10 year gap between even those looking back in those 10 years going wow so much change and i think with the levels of awakening you kind of well the ego goes right okay i've got i've, I've awakened now <laughs> and then oh no there's another level and there's another level and there's another level and each time it's kind of just shedding a layer of an onion just ah a new awareness and then there's a part of me that feels oh, okay, I know what this awakening is all about. And it's like, oh, no, I haven't got a clue. You know, <laughs> it just, any preconceived, it's just been, and again, it's just another layer of my ego. I think we've spoken in the past about the spiritual ego, which will adapt along the way, and that will come onto you like a like a different entity. Um, but maybe, you know, whether you share your own perspective, if there's been layers for you, or just a general um, reflection would be, would be useful to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mind likes to think that it has an understanding of reality. It gives it um, a a false sense of security to to think that I know how life is. I know what is what's going to happen. Um, and and it transfers that into the spiritual world where it's looking for a kind of a hierarchy we've also been kind of conditioned in this way if you look at our school system we move up through a hierarchy or or, um, everything in our society really is based on hierarchies so we're always looking to go to the next level, next level. And it's very appealing for the mind. Oh, how can I level up? And uh, you'll find teachings that say, okay, do this practice, then you'll get to the next level. When you've mastered that, then you get to the next level. And it's like a carrot that's dangling in front of us. So we're always trying to get to point in the future when I finally made it when I finally got there when I've reached the ultimate but the truth is that that ultimate that we seek is only accessible in the now it can only be known in the present moment beyond the mind's ideas of levels or trying to get somewhere and the, pl- the present moment is often uncomfortable because the mind doesn't have anything to hold on to there. It doesn't have any concepts or it doesn't have anything to do, anything to try to get, to achieve. And so it's kind of left hanging. And because of this discomfort that's felt in the present moment, Many people spend their lives trying to avoid the
the present moment, often unconsciously. So their thoughts will keep them caught up in the past and what happened this morning, yesterday, 10 years ago, regrets. Why didn't I do that? Why did I do that? Or projecting into the future, like, oh, when I get that, then I'll be happy. When I achieve that, then I'll be fulfilled. When that happens, then I'll be really awakened. And when we step out of that and we're fully present here and now, there is a vast unknown. The only thing that's known is this moment. And to know this moment without concepts, without labeling the experiences, just to be the space which allows the experiences to be felt, to be noticed, to be seen, without any agenda, without trying to push anything away, without trying to achieve anything. Then we discover this infinite spaciousness. And that's like the foundation for the spiritual practice, to to be present and to recognize one's true nature as the open space of awareness. And to keep one's attention focused moment to moment as awareness, without getting pulled into thoughts, without identifying with the conceptual self. And it's quite paradoxical. It's one of the great paradoxes of spiritual journey because when we are resting our attention in this way, what happens is on the level of form, a transformation starts to take place where we start to become aware of unconscious patterns that have been playing out in us. We start to see it from this greater spaciousness. And we also become aware of energies in the body and uh, unprocessed emotions that are held in the body, which are usually experienced as contractions or tightness. So when our attention's in the body and we become aware of these sensations and open to them, everything starts to unwind. And it unwinds in this higher consciousness, which is spaciousness of our being. So on the human level, transformation is constantly happening and we're constantly becoming, if the practices are are applied, more conscious and we're becoming a clearer expression of our true self without the distortions and the conditionings playing out. So that's one aspect of it. Um, There are also, in a sense, levels that many people move through in order to reach the experiential knowing of their true self. But it's not the same for everybody and it's not, there's not one, 
one path that fits all. Everybody has their own unique awakening experience. But for many people, when they start practicing becoming present and living in the present moment or just doing a meditation practice, the first step is that they start to become aware of a narrative in the mind, which is a stream of thinking that's constantly running. Before this, we're unaware that it's there and there's total identification with that stream of thinking. And there's the belief that those thoughts are me. There's no space between me, which is aware of the thoughts and the thoughts. So meditation becomes a gateway that brings this opening where we start to observe the thoughts. Now, this brings more consciousness into the system. Also to observe, how does it feel in my body right now? Uh, can I feel inside my feet? Can I feel inside my hands? And with this practice, people start to become aware of what we call in the spiritual world, the energy body, the energy inside of us, which previously there was no recognition of and from there the next step often is self-inquiry to begin to question not mentally like we would study something at school but to question in one's own experience that which is aware of these thoughts, what exactly is it? And to really look and to inquire into the nature of that which is aware and to ask questions like, is it changing? Is it moving? Is it a form is it how big is it does it have any borders who am i if my thoughts keep changing and then i can't be my thoughts because when they're gone i'll be gone so we start to become aware of the true self which is pure awareness and from there this ongoing process of integration and transformation takes place on the level of form which is unending it, to me it seems there is no end to that beautiful answer from that place i'm interested to know about like concert, conscious manifestation in our lives I think people maybe early on the spiritual path, myself, as I said, maybe 10, eight, nine years ago, and you start hearing about the secret and how you, the law of attraction and you can create your own reality and you can draw all sorts of things to yourself. Yet the ego can get very much caught up in that and you start trying to attract things that you don't necessarily need in your life, but it's just your ego is pulling in from 
possibly from all our conditioning growing up of what the idea of success is. So I'm going to go and manifest all these things in my life to appear successful. So I'm in a different phase now, but I'm interested to know the balance between surrendering to what everything unfolds, but then also having that being very conscious of, of, of manifesting and, and engineering and maybe a element of being tuning into how you want your life to unfold. Um, but yeah, I'd love to get your perspective on that. Mm. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you that when we first become aware of conscious manifestation, that's that's the, the ego's dreams all come true it's like finding a a a lamp where wow i can rub this lamp and the genie comes all my wishes are granted so it's a very exciting concept for the ego and he said oh what shall i manifest first i'm so excited i can it's like it's like a child that that can suddenly have all its demands met and many people go through this phase of maturing and they get they often get the things that they so believe that they so badly want and they discover that when they get these things, often materialistic things like a car, a lot of money, a nice house, um, maybe a partner, all external objects which we can attach ourselves to, that, yeah, uh, it does bring happiness but it's short-lived, then there's always the feeling, okay, what do I want next? I need something more to fulfill me now. And then the ego wants the next thing, the next thing, and there's no end to that seeking. And it's never truly, never truly satisfies or fulfills us. So often we have to go through that stage in order to mature and recognize that no experience, no object, no person can totally and completely fulfill me. And it's only when we realize that, that we come to this place, like there's nowhere else to look. Like I, I've tried getting my happiness in all these experiences in relationships, nothing wor- nothing's working. There's only one place left to look now, and that's within. And that's when the attention turns around from the forms and the external to the formless and the internal experience, which is the path, the direct pathway to knowing oneself as God, to connecting to the divine from within. And once that connection's been made, to the universe, unconditional love, the higher self. There's lots of different labels that are given to it. And once that connection has been tasted, there's a knowing that this is the only thing that can bring me permanent, lasting peace and fulfillment. And And there's a longing that's born to unite fully with that, to know oneself fully as that. And often during that phase, 
this kind of connects back to what we were talking about before with these stages on, on the spiritual journey. Often in that phase, there's a longing to withdraw from life, from externality and to really take time to deepen and people go on meditation retreats or they they feel the call to um, go and sit with a teacher that's pointing to these things and really spend a lot of time alone which gives us space to deepen and to, to anchor ourselves in this unseen ocean of love. And at some point, there's often a, a movement that arises to express outwardly again, to move back into the world. So it's like a withdrawing a deepening, and then an outward movement. And when that outward movement comes, it's not born from the immature ego, which says, what can I get for me? It's kind of greedy, and it's just looking to fulfill itself. I want this, I want this. How can I manifest this? It's, it's born from the divine itself, and it, the expression is how, how does this consciousness want to flow through this empty vessel and express and create in a world in a way that's most fun, that's most exciting, that feels most true for me. But the me that it feels true for is not the mind, but the true self-awareness. And we can allow it to move by being connected to our intuition, our inner guidance. And people are often aware of this, even right at the beginning of their spiritual practice, or even if they don't have a spiritual practice, there's often a, a feeling, a niggling feeling within, something doesn't feel right, or I should do this but it's like a whisper and often people ignore that that feeling or that voice but it that's their intuition and if they start acting on it and following it even if it doesn't make sense to the mind it allows an unfolding of life in a way that's more aligned with this harmonious unified intelligence which when it's expressed through us serves the whole it, it brings something fulfilling to everybody because the nature of it is, is abundance so it will be fulfilling to me personally because it feels like my true expression and it will it will bear fruits for the others externally but that's not the reason for doing it there's no agenda there. It's just a natural flowing. And for some people, it will be from making music. For some people, carpentry. For some people, it could be anything. But when it's flowing, there's a feeling that it feels right. You wake up in the morning and it feels true 
to be doing whatever I'm doing. It's not that feeling like, oh, I have to go to work again. I'm waiting for the weekend. Life becomes a joy and expression becomes a joy. And to manifest from there means a desire is born from the divine itself. And that desire is seen in one's mind's eye, in, in our imagination, something that feels exciting, something that feels fun, that feels true. Maybe for you it was, wow, I'd really love to do a podcast. It feels fun for me. And there is a vision of it combined with presence. And the, the essential part of the manifestation is a surrender part, which means the knowing that whatever unfolds in life is whatever is best for this life. It's what needs to be. So there is no attachment to the manifestation or the idea. There is a knowing that if it manifests, then it's the best thing for me and for all of humanity. And if it doesn't, then that's not the will of the divine, which is no different from my will when I know myself as the divine. So manifestation becomes much less of a doing and much more of a being and allowing the manifestation to unfold. Beautiful. I'll be, I'll be listening back to that one many times, I feel. Um, yeah, it really resonates with me that 100%. One thing I'm really keen to get your perspective, I know in my life, um, from a human perspective, our relationships seems to be our most, some of our most challenging things. You know? What would you say to those who, um, particularly long-term relationships, people who could be together for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and potentially for many of those years, they were unconscious and many unconscious patterns played out and there would be trauma and issues. And then they they awaken to those elements and they start to clear things out. Um, but it's finding those, but knowing, even though you can clear stuff out because of all that history sometimes, you can, um, it's like as if things stay in you sometimes, like um, like splinters. It's almost like little splinters and you've got to, you've got to keep pulling them out. Um, along the way but I'd love to get your perspective on kind of staying present and um, you know it's very much a lot of what you've been speaking about already you know is feeling and feeling into the present moment into the body you know to coming into that space that place of awareness but I wonder if you've got anything specifically around any relationship really but maybe sometimes more in those longer ones many times our long-term intimate partner relationship is our greatest guru, our greatest teacher, because they're the one that, whether it's intentional or, or not, push all of our buttons. And if there's a true dedication to the path of spiritual awakening, then there will actually be a gratitude for that because we want 
the unconscious to be drawn out of us so that we can see where the unconsciousness is still held and we can allow for it to release, to integrate. So anytime that we're triggered, then there's just, well, thank you. Thank you, life, for bringing me this wonderful mirror and children often are the greatest mirrors and reflecting back to me something that's inside of me that I need to see. So just that practice is incredibly transformational in relationships because without that, what usually happens is our partner triggers something inside of us. It feels uncomfortable. We don't want to feel what we're feeling. And so unconsciously, we try to manipulate and change our partner so that their behavior will change because we believe that if they change or if they stop doing what they're doing, then I won't have to feel how I'm feeling. So then we become reactive and, and we, we relate to them often aggressively, even though it's the person that we love the most in our life that's mo most precious to us. So if there's enough presence in our system, which is something that comes with practicing being present, when life's going smooth, when it's easy, just in everyday moments, like when you're taking a shower, just asking, am I, am I present right now in the shower? Am I fully here feeling the water? Or am I in my mind thinking about what I've got to do for the rest of the day? Just these moments practicing makes us more present so that when some challenge arises, like our partner triggers us, we don't unconsciously react, but there's enough space that there's a seeing, oh, I'm triggered. And with that seeing, we can stop. Okay, I don't have to react right now. Let me just slow down this moment. And then we can come to the breath. And the mind often in that moment is racing with lots of thoughts about how wrong the other one is, how they shouldn't have done what they did. They've done this to me. And the key is not to engage with that stream of thinking, to be aware of it, not to try to stop it, but to make space from it so that you become the observer of the thinking and the attention opens to this background stillness and then we can inquire what do I feel in the body right now and there might be recognition oh I feel angry and the mind will say yeah I should feel angry because they did it but we don't go into that stream of thinking, go to the, towards the anger. And often it's helpful to remove yourself from the situation if possible and just go to another room and take some space. Say, oh, you say to your partner, oh, I need some space right now. Let's talk about this later. And then use this as a spiritual practice and inquire, okay, so there's this anger. Well, that's a label. 
What exactly is this anger describing? Let me have a look in the body. Oh, my shoulders and neck are all tight and my heart's beating fast. Okay, let's just relax this. And I just be present with my heart beating fast. And then we become aware of the energy in the body. And as we're aware of it, there's space around the experience. And that space allows for that energy to be processed in a healthy way. And often during this practice, insights will spontaneously arise out of presence, seeings, which will show us why we're feeling what we're feeling or how we've been behaving in an unconscious way. And many times we'll see that it's connected to something we experienced in our childhood. Ah, I'm feeling the same way that I felt when my mom and dad were exerting, were being overly controlling with me and I felt powerless. And now my partner's behaving in this way and this powerlessness that I'm feeling is exactly the same that I felt when I was a child. And so we begin to heal deep-seated trauma that's often held in the system that many times we're not even aware of that goes way back to our childhood. And we don't need our partner to be on the spiritual path in order for us to use the relationship for our own spiritual growth. In fact, if they're not on the spiritual path, we have a greater opportunity because they will be projecting all of their unconsciousness onto us and giving us even more opportunity to be non-reactive, to stay in presence and unconditional love and to meet what's triggered inside of us. So we can really be saying thank you all the time to them. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, Yeah, yeah. Thank you for showing me where I've been acting out some immaturity or some distortion. Thank you for triggering this childhood pain that I never was able to process as a child and now I'm able to heal it. And we don't even need to say thank you to our partner. In fact, if you say that to your partner, some people might say, what? (laughs) And they don't understand what we're talking about. Maybe it's not appropriate. In some relationships, it will be. But it's more saying thank you to life. And when we start to live in this way, we start to see how everything that comes on our path, which may have previously appeared to be random, is actually there to show us something, to reflect something to us, to support us in our awakening process and in our growth. So the challenges often are the greatest gifts. Because if everything's easy all the time and nothing gives us a push, then we don't have much opportunity for growth or to see where we can still get triggered about something. I think that kind of brings us a little bit back to the beginning bit, talking about the past two years and how very much about its relationship or in our external world of COVID and things being very unsettled has triggered us 
you know, massive. I know for myself, that's why I think I mentioned about feeling like last year was another deeper level of awakening for me because I don't think I'd ever been triggered so much in my entire life, even though I, I thought, oh, I'm, you know, things, it's like water off a duck's back before then. But no, all of a sudden these things were coming at me and I'm like, whoa, you know, and it's just showing me what's out of alignment and um, and be able to move through that. But it's, it can take time, you know, there's a, there's there's a there is a time there's a time for it sometimes and I think in the past I maybe thought I felt like um you want to kind of move through this oh I need to move through this sooner or but again the ego um but just all that it comes back to that allowing um for sure yeah absolutely allowing this great unfolding and not trying to get to the other side of it even when it's really uncomfortable how how deeply can I meet this discomfort? How how deeply can I open to it? How deeply can I be present in this moment? Because anytime that we're wishing we could get to the future, we're actually wishing ourselves closer to the grave and we're missing out on life. But it's like if we're going to eat a meal and we want to get to the dessert and, and we're eating super fast <laughs> unconsciously and then we get to the dessert mm, this is good oh it's over but we could have that same meal and savor it savor every bite savor every flavor and life's like this if if we're rushing trying to get to what's next what the mind projects to be the sweet dessert that's in the future then we miss these moments like the sun shining on the blade of grass, the, the look in your daughter's eye when she smiles or she sees something. If you're not there in that moment, if you're in your mind thinking about the future, then you miss these treasures. And what brings us that sense of fulfillment and joy in life is appreciating the simplicity of the present moment and recognizing the beauty that's here right now all around us and often it's in the most simple things but there's such incredibly incredible beauty that we overlook because we're not really present and intimate with it some mind for me then it's almost like imagine treating each day as though it was our last day yeah um and i think there's a, a zen teaching of uh, a zen master who would imagine that he was living his life as if there was a dagger above his head and at any moment it could be over and i've actually been reflecting on that recently i think it was just the turning of the new year and imagine imagine if we all knew how many days we had left you know, I think some people think I'm okay. I'm 40 in my early forties, you know, I, by law of averages, I should live, I should be halfway through, but I might not be, you know, it could be, it could be much sooner. It could be much longer, but it could be. And imagine if you knew the number, how I know that's, again, it's a time construct, but you would, I think we would realize how much time we're actually wasting worrying about the future, worrying about death. I think death has been a big thing that's come up the past couple of years. And if we were, and I think maybe people, particularly in England now, are getting to the point where we're thinking, 
I, I don't want to worry about this anymore. You know, I've given up, some people have given up two years of their life and two years is such a significant time. Well, if we really knew, and like I said, then if we, if we treated every day like it was our last, like you said, whether it's with a meal, or if that was your last time you're going to have that meal, you would, you would take, savor every moment. It would last two hours, you know, or the last time you were going to see someone. Um, I remember seeing, there's a, I was speaking about it on a different group recently, and there's this website you can go on and you can punch into it and you could you can work out, you can estimate how many times you might see your parents. Again, based on how often you see them or speak to them, you can put it in and it'll go, oh, 20 more times or something. And, and it's just having that, it's funny where you could have, if we knew that more and we go, oh, wow, because I think so often we take things for granted. We, we take things that it's going to be forever when it's not in form you know everything is impermanent so it's been an interesting reflection for me and it makes me actually realize to me think well okay what do I want to consciously manifest or, or to do in my life each day what activities do I find joy in whether podcasting outside nature making stuff I love to you know I think a lot of people like to create in some way and we've we're all creative in some way but it's just maybe be more focused on that and thinking, you know, well, you know, it's that, that phrase, the time is now. And um, so, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it, it, it sounds quite strange and, and morbid even, but I actually love thinking about death because to think about death in a way is to become more connected to life and to recognize the impermanence of this physical experience and to remember that it's temporary and it's short. And many people want to avoid that thought. They live like that's not going to happen to me or it's going to happen a long time in the future. I don't need to think about it. And life can so easily pass us by. And many people, they get to their deathbed and, and then they look back and say, oh, wow, why didn't I have the courage to do that? Why did I waste my life doing this? Why didn't I do what I really wanted to do? But then it's too late. So there's actually this wonderful spiritual practice, which is called to die before you die. And you've probably heard of it. And you, you go into a meditative state and you allow yourself to experience your own death and what that would be like to let go of all your material possessions. Because in that one moment of death, nothing belongs to me anymore. Nothing's mine. The car, it's not mine. It's gone. The house, every family member, all those relationship ties are gone and and it gives space for a detachment from material things and objects and it allows us to discover the deeper essence of who we are even letting go of the personality the body imagine with the eyes closed who am I without this body? Then there's just pure awareness. 
And in the opening to that, there's a recognition that actually everything that's arising in form is arising in me and nothing is separate from me. So I can't lose anything anyway. And so we become less attached to material things and less attached to people. It doesn't mean that we love less. In fact, opposite, often it's the opposite. And, and we love in a more mature way, in a more unconditional way. And to meet our family members, our friends, our partner, like it is the last time we'll see them or the last day that we're going to be alive, how will we relate to them differently? How much more appreciation will be there and love and, and this really nurtures our relationships. And also to another practice, which I really love is to meet each moment as though it's the first moment that I've just been born. So everything that's come before me as all dissolved and all I know is this moment right now and everybody that I interact with is the first moment that I'm meeting them I'm meeting them fresh so then I'm not relating to them as an object or an idea that I have about who they are based on past experience because that's not who they are right now I'm meeting them fresh right now and that allows me to be more present with them in this moment without the distractions of the concepts and the ideas. That, yeah, that's beautiful. It sounds like, you know, it ties back into the early questions about the relationships and stuff. If you can just show up each moment. Yeah. You can, have a, you can have a lot of fun with those practices. You can really play, you can really break reality in many ways because... Well, it breaks up the idea of time and everything and just pulls it to pieces. Um, and yeah, I think we're in a time of um, great change, great, great change. We first, I think I was just, it just popped into my head. I think I first came, you know, aware of you about the end of 2016. And um, I think how much has changed already in those times, five so years. And I think we're going for a great great ride the next few years and how, how however things may unfold i think you know yourself and like said i can't tell you we'll talk about is this huge rise in consciousness and with that rise of consciousness means that the old ways must fall away and i think yeah. we're seeing that now absolutely i mean i just found out the other day that um it, joe rogan's podcast yes i don't remember the number but so many millions more views than mainstream tv which reflects to us that there's a shift happening where before we, we had this TV in the living room and we turn it on every evening and get fed the news and take it to be the gospel truth. And now we have the internet. It's opened up a whole new world for us. And I think people are becoming more conscious of how the, many of the, the news sites actually have an agenda and they're pushing their own personal agenda, whether it's the left or the right. And many people now are not interested in an agenda. They're interested in the truth. They want to know the truth. And 
they're turning to the internet for that, for people that are speaking out. And it seems to me that that's allowing us as a collective to mature, where before we were like children and the government was like our parent, which told us, do this, do this, this is the right way, and we followed the instructions. And now it feels like we're moving through a kind of a teenage rebellion. Uh, and and many people are not trusting the governments anymore because the, the stories of corruption are being leaked through the internet streams. And it, it, the same thing happens during our childhood. In, when we're children, we perceive our parents as, as the all-knowing gods. What they tell me is right. And then as we enter our teenage years, usually, we start to recognize, oh, wait a minute, my mom and dad don't know everything. They're not perfect like I thought they were. And that illusion of mom and dad as often dad's like Superman. He's so strong. You know, you'll hear little boys say, my dad's stronger than your dad. My dad can do anything. It, it starts to crumble. And in that crumbling, we mature. as adults and and we we have a healthier relationship with our parents where we can meet them as an equal so we're moving beyond this hierarchical system and it will be interesting to see as we mature as a collective and move through this maturing stage into our spiritual maturity where more and more people are recognizing their true nature and living in presence and not being reactive anymore. So that divisiveness, which is the cause of all wars, begins to fall away. And to see how we move into an era of peace, which is what I would hope for humanity. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. Um... And on the thing about Joe Rogan, it's interesting, the numbers. Um, I, I think it's like um, some of his po podcasts recently began 50 million listens. And when you think about it, that's almost 1% of the world population. Um, where CNN's getting like 1 million. So he's getting 50 times. He's this one individual. Yes. And CNN's got hundreds, if not thousands of employees. And, he's, and I think that's why we're seeing a lot of the pushback and they they don't as those old systems crumble they're going to hold on and and try and hold on as, as with dear life because they don't want to lose what they had but yeah a time of great change and thank thank god we've got the internet but then it's necessary it's necessary and it's just as it is it's supposed to be it's as this time that's what it's there is a great tool it's many challenges as well particularly with social media um that i think we may have uh, spoken about a little bit in the past um but you know what i think i'd love to do louise if it's okay with you because as always i could probably talk for hours and anything but if you would be open to maybe doing um you know kind of closing with a guided meditation for us all yeah i'd love to yeah so just start by making yourself comfortable close your eyes Bring all your attention fully present into this moment. And 
Become aware of your body breathing. Just notice the movements of your body on the inhalation and the exhalation. Feel as your chest rises. And allow that breath to go deeper so that it's even including the abdomen. And as you breathe in, the abdomen also expands as it fills with air, bringing deeper relaxation into the body. Just notice any sounds becoming more acutely aware of the sense perceptions. Maybe there's a taste in your mouth from something that you ate or drank earlier. Notice the feeling on your skin of your clothes, the material of your clothes, the feeling of your back, your legs touching the chair that you're sitting on. And just observe any thoughts that are appearing in this moment. Now don't judge the thoughts. Don't try to stop the thoughts. Don't try to change them. Just observe them. So you're remaining still as the Watcher, the witness, witnessing all this movement that's happening, the breath, sounds, sensations, thoughts. And as you're observing the thoughts, become aware of the space between the thoughts. Notice that moment where there's no thought. There's only spaciousness. See if you can sense the stillness. The stillness of this moment. Feel your body beginning to relax as it becomes aware that right now you don't have to do anything. There's just a letting go. There's nothing to achieve, nowhere to get to, nothing to become.
Feel your neck and your shoulders relax. Relax your arms, your hands and your fingers. Feel your chest relax. Your abdomen. The upper back. The middle back. And the lower back. Feel your body becoming infused with a sense of peacefulness. Let your attention drop deeper into the body. Feel your hips relax. Relax your upper legs, your lower legs, your feet in your toes. Feel the intimacy with this present moment. Feel how sweet it feels to be fully here right now. Grateful for this moment. Grateful for each breath. Grateful for life. Feel the skin on your face relax. Feel the skin on your head, your scalp relax. Feel the back of your head and the neck relax. Relax the forehead, the cheeks. The mouth, the lips, the tongue and the jaw. Feel a space behind your eyes. Notice if there's any tension there. And invite that to relax too. including your whole body now, aware of the feeling of your whole body, observing it breathing all by itself. You don't need to do anything to make your body breathe. It just keeps breathing. Just observe it. Recognize that you are aware. You are that which is aware. Your awareness are formless. You have no borders. Your vast, infinite spaciousness. Feel that spaciousness beyond your body. 
feel it all around, expanding in all directions. See how far you can sense your spaciousness. Just take a moment to enjoy basking in the beauty of your own being. Feeling your own divine perfection. Thoughts arise, continue to observe them. But keep redirecting your focus to the space. So you're fully present here as awareness without labeling any experience, just being the experiencer that witnesses all experiences arising in you. Bring your attention to the heart and feel the power of your heart. Feel the connectedness in your heart to all that is to the divine itself, feel your heart opening and expanding in gratitude, appreciation, love. And feel that love overflowing like streams of light, expanding outward from within your body to all your family members. your pets, your neighbors, your friends, your fellow countrymen. And then outward to every citizen of planet Earth, every animal, all the water, the mountains, and each ray of unconditional love that flows outwards from your heart communicates to each object it flows to. I appreciate you. Thank you for your existence. I see myself as you. Oh, feel this light circling the whole planet, holding planet Earth in a sphere of unconditional love, bright white light. And I see that light blasting outwards into 
the universe into infinity. Feel your whole body surrounded by this unconditional love, like you're held by life itself, you're held by the divine. You can just let go and fall into the arms of the universe, your ultimate mother or father, God itself. not separate from you, but one with you. When you're ready, open your eyes, but keep your attention as spacious awareness. So with the eyes open, they Objects are perceived in the same way that sounds are perceived. It's happening and you're aware of it. Well, all is certainly well in, in my being in the world when I, when I do that. Yeah, I felt like that was um, that was exactly what I needed as well. I needed it. I needed that. It was uh, it's those you were, but there is obviously that's like you know you're giving me what I need in that instance, but also for the listeners. So thank you for that, Louise. Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure. So how can um, so yeah, that's been um, time slips by. Um, like how anyone who's listening to this, how can they find out what you're up to at the moment? What courses, retreats that you might have coming up? It'd be great for you to share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every Sunday I offer an open Zoom meeting and everyone's welcome to join. Um, it's, uh, I think, 6 p.m. UK time. And I start each open Zoom meeting with a guided meditation, similar to the one we just did. And then if people have questions or there's something they'd like to explore together, then they, they, will, they can raise their hand and they come up on screen and we can explore or answer questions and that's by donation so and if someone just wants to pop in and see what this is all about if they're new to it they're welcome and also if they're they've been on the spiritual path for a long time and they're also welcome everyone is welcome um for those that are interested in really deepening into the i am deepening into presence I offer monthly online intensive weekend retreats where we dedicate the whole weekend to these practices and there's silent meditations, guided meditations, explorations, um, meditations in movement. So it's really an opportunity for people to become really deeply anchored in this presence so that then when they go out into the world, out into life, they, they take that with them. They live that, become a, a living embodiment of unconditional love, of this teaching. And uh, I'm hoping that this with a year that I can start doing the in-person retreats and group events again. It's, it's been on hold during the pandemic and uh, looks like the light's at the end of the tunnel now. So 
Um, people can check out my website. It's louisek.net. I'm, I'm sure you'll link it below. And um, you can subscribe to my newsletter there to find out about upcoming events. And I also have a YouTube channel, which has a lot of guided meditations and little clips from the open Zoom meetings. If you search Louise K, you can find that. And I'm on social media and everyone is welcome to connect with me there on Instagram um, and Facebook. And I'm sure you can put all the, all the links in the description below or they can find them on my website. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I'll be sure to to, to share all those links. Um, Louise, it's always a pleasure. It always comes at the right time for me to speak with you. Um, each time I spend time with you, like I said, it's been over the years, I can see the deepening in yourself and um, and the more wisdom that comes out. I find that each time that we do these, I end up speaking less. Because um, <laughs> I just hand, you know, hand over the space. I'm like, you know, which is brilliant. But thank you, Louise. It's mm -hmm. been a pleasure. Well, for me too, Rob. Really a pleasure to connect with you. And I look forward to the next one. And then the next one. And then the next one. <laughs> <laughs> there we have it. Another interview with Louise. Um, uh, absolutely always, uh, you know, it's always a pleasure for me to, to sit in, in her presence and spend time with her. Um, those that are interested can go back and listen to episode one, episode two, episode three. Episode one very much focuses on Louise's own spiritual journey, her development along those years and the subsequent ones have very much focused more on, um, well, what you got today, which is just on um, being, you know, living presence and and how we can, um, how she supports us just through her words and the space in between her words and the meditations to help us um, on on our own spiritual journey. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoyed this one. If you do, please share with a friend. Um, uh, please like and subscribe if you listen to it on on youtube if you're listening to it on apple podcast we appreciate if you can leave me a review that would be great so this podcast can naturally um move out and move out to more people that would be wonderful um i do know that my episodes and louise with louise have been definitely the most popular i have this definitely um there's a real desire for that voice at that time there's a lot of power behind um really powerful listening to her the presence it kind of feels you and i was feeling a lot in my body particularly in my chest through that it was um if it's very heart opening which is um definitely what i need which we could all probably do with um and um yeah um thank you very much um if you've listened to this far for me rambling on at the end um, and yeah until next time have a good one <laughs>